As soon as I get hip to something and I'm like really in, I have a process and then I'm like, oh, wait, I see somebody else using something that's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a never ending cycle of learning new things and trying to better your craft. That's exactly right. That's the <clears> whole <throat> point of the thing, isn't it? Yes. And trying to better yourself and follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is exciting for me because I've been... Um, hip to you a, a little bit i've been following you obviously through socials um and i i really want to get into the, the one thing that grabbed my attention from the very beginning was the farming urban farming and deca mm-hmm. and um i don't know a lot about it mm-hmm. but following following you and watching you it's like oh this is really interesting and then I, I would like to learn more um, because me personally, not so much the farming, but like planning things and watching them grow and trying to be one with nature and <laughs> earth. And, you know, I've been trying for the last couple of years myself to, to kind of get into that, you mm-hmm. know, um, keeping things alive, like plants and stuff, like learning and putting your feet in the grass and that type of stuff. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole wellness aspect. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there's a lot of levels to it so talk to me about about it. let's start with deca let's let's start there because um we both received the fund through a um laxer equity fund mm-hmm. and um i'm cu- i'm curious to hear from you like what where did this passion for farming start okay that's a great question felix first of all Thanks so much for having me on here. Absolutely. And also, again, double shout out to Lancaster Equity Council for yes. giving both of us the opportunity to sort of progress and fulfill, come closer to fulfilling our dreams. So thanks so much for that. Yeah. But um, I think when we talk about how DECA started, it really, I'm going to give you a little bit more context than that. Please. Um, because my passion has become farming but it really wasn't that at all so how DECA started was actually through a program called Create Karma Um, this was a leadership and yoga teacher training run by Sarah Yuki at the time okay and um, so much of the leadership aspect was learning because that's something I think you learn, especially as somebody who is, you know, seeking something, learning that you have a community and it's vast and it's broad. And like, how do you connect to your community? Who do you feel connected to? And who do you think could connect to you as well? So, you know, that being um, a big aspect of how we were learning uh, the principles of yoga, the principles of like understanding ourselves and filling up our own cups so we could help others. Yeah. And um, so, you know, long story short, a whole lot of that kind of action, a whole lot of self-inquiry turned into 
I'll give you the long story since yeah, we're here. Yeah, please. I love it. <laughs> so um, it turned into actually me getting to reconnect with my estranged father after uh, 20, almost 30 some years. Wow. And so through this reconnection, again, and after all the self-inquiry, instead of being so mad at him for not being in my life and like missing out on all the things that I thought I was missing out on, um, all I wanted from him was to like, him to give me something, yeah, right? Yeah. Give me something back that I have been missing all this time. But like I said, through all this self-refinement and learning about who I am and what moves me, I decided instead to see what I could do for him. And that really changed like my whole outlook. Instead of trying something. to squeeze something out of him, like yeah. what can I actually give? And so, you know, through this reconnection, um, it was a program called Landmark that uh, me and some of my colleagues completed. It's like a personal and career um, development course. Uh, yeah, I was able to reconnect with my dad and, you know, he was venting to me about life and stuff. And he said, uh, we have, uh, I learned that we have a farm still in Liberia that, uh, where my grandfather and my grandmother is buried, my great grandfather too. And so <laughs> this is the long one. So basically <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we have this farm and it's going to shit you know, can somebody please help me, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I live in Lancaster. Uh, we have the best soil. I know a lot of farmers. I'm sure I could find someone to help you. And it turned out like, you know, we had a couple meetings with a couple of local, um, like longtime heritage farmers here. And we talked a lot of ideas and it was great. But I realized that I'm going to be the one to go do it if it needs to be done. So, okay. um, you know, we got the family together. Every, everybody in Liberia is on a WhatsApp, okay, you know, together. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I'm reconnecting with my family. I'm learning all this stuff. And I said, all right, well, if, if I can learn how to farm and learn, uh, you know, sort of the ecology of Liberia, um, maybe I can help my family now that I'm reconnecting with them and, and sort of give back all the stuff, you know, yeah. that I thought I was missing or lacking. So my first attempt was to intern at my friend's farms and I realized, well, I don't have a car, so that's going to be an issue. And then another friend was like, well, my neighbors are sort of maybe not so friendly towards black folks. So oh, wow. maybe don't come learn at our farm. And I said, heard and thank you. Yeah. But also that's unfortunate. Yeah. Was that, was that a surprise? No. Right. But, you know, at the time I'll say no. Um, I live in those areas now sure. and, and, and it's really not as bad as, okay. as it, you know, the, the assumption. So, okay. gotcha. um, so anyway, I was running into all these barriers and I realized that if I'm going to do it, I need to do it here. Um, if I'm going to learn how to farm, I need to do it right where I am. And that was Lancaster city. So, you know, deciding or realizing, um, well, how am I going to do this? What is it called? Like, how do I learn how to farm when I don't have anything? 
and and that's how really Decca was born. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, um, this is one of the things that I love about um, when I'm meeting new people and I'm learning about their journey is obviously it's human nature to when you learn that someone's doing something, you kind of like have this like preconceived notion of how they came about it. And then it's just like, wow, this was completely different. So one of the things that I was, that, that I, I appreciated was the, um, was it the rekindling with your, with your estranged father? And what was it? If you don't mind me asking, what were some of the things that you were at first wanting mm-hmm. from him? Sure. Um, well, <laughs> That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) And I think anybody that's grown up without a parent or without a father, particularly, you know, because these words tend to come from dad, are, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing a really good job. And um, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, But as I grew and, you know, became more aware of how the world works, I started to understand and see my parents as just regular people. Yeah. Just regular people trying yeah. to make decisions about their lives. And so, you know, that helped to take a, a lot of the, the hurt out yeah. of it and just see it as people making choices and not so much a personal, you know, yeah. um, slight. That's a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of growth, though. That's where I always feel like, and this comes up often in the podcast too, where it's like if you can get to that point in life, you know, the, the, you have to tip your hat to yourself, where which is hard for some people, oh, like myself. Yeah. I oh can't, yeah, I can't compliment myself, but it's like the pat on the back. Like, yeah, I, um, I totally get it when you start to like look at your parents as regular people because they are, mm-hmm. and it's almost like, all right, well, I'm, I probably made some bonehead choices in my life <laughs> as a parent, and I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm who am I? But it's not easy to get to that point because it's very understandable and it's it's you're validated to feel a sense of you owe me as a child that's longing for the relationship with their parent, in your case, their, your father. Um, I had that same experience with my father um, where it was kind of like, I feel like there's a lot of things I never got from you. Mm-hmm. And I, unfortunately, I won't be able to have that now because mm-hmm. my father passed. I'm sorry. Yeah. But thank you. But um, but I, I appreciate that because it looks like from what you're telling me that that really opened the door oh, yeah. to something that you weren't prior to that even thinking about far farming at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I had a. I'll admit, I have a little bit of a prepper in me. And so, you know, I'm like seeing these things. And um, and again, just trying to figure out, like, I, I'm a crafty individual. My mom was, too. Like, if we didn't have a hammer, we used a heel. Like, gotcha. that's just how we do. So, you know, it was like, well, these are the things I want to do. What do I need to do to make it happen? And um, again, through, like... I think just in a little bit of an aside, yeah. I think a lot of us are sort of like over like development programs and coaching things like as a society, I think we're a little bit over it, but I really highly suggest it because it really gave me access to things and ways of thinking and frameworks that I really wouldn't have had. And so 
how DECA again was inspired was through an exercise I did with a pen and paper. And I used like a scene wave, you know, like what are my hobbies and what am I good at? And what's the middle? And that's how I sort of figured out aquaponics, hydroponics, farming, service to my community, uh, divinity, um, movement, dance, yoga, like all these things are now discerning eye brand. Okay. Yeah. Discerning eye. I I believe that's where DECA is. Discerning eye community agriculture. That's right. That's right. Previously discerning eye center for the arts. Okay. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of things there that uh, you mentioned yoga, which which doing some research, I, I got hip that, that yoga is a part of your life as well. Absolutely. So was that, did that come later or was that always part of your life prior to the farming? Oh, no, it was it was 2016 with that class, Create Karma. I actually took it as a leadership course, not realizing there was so much yoga in it (laughs) like I really thought yoga was just going to be like the little part of it but and then when we came in and everybody's like in there I got my first pair of spandex like that weekend you know what I mean yeah so um I was really not hip to it at all I think I had taken one class previously okay and it was like a it was like a yoga nidra class, so mostly what we did was sleep, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, like, yeah, yoga was totally new. Um, and it was very hard for me in the beginning. And the first class, actually, uh, you know, I was surrounded I was surrounded by middle-aged white women, and I just was like, what the heck am I doing here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was also had been working at the time as a director at the Boys and Girls Club on... Uh, the Jack Walker Clubhouse. Okay. And so, you know, I was pretty much entrenched in, in one community and then about to be a part of another and where I really felt like I didn't belong. And so the saving grace, though, was the, the first day's instructor. His name is Jean-Jacques Gabriel. Um, and he's a, a black man, African-American man. Actually, I think he's Haitian-American. Okay. And... Um, and he's in Philly, and all he did was put a hand on my shoulder and say, you good? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I can do this. Just get me a little bit of connection, and yeah. like, then I can plug in here. But otherwise, I felt untethered. So, yeah, no, yoga was not uh, something I'd always done or even really something I was really into until it started to work. <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of feel like, uh, and and obviously I'm I'm an outsider looking in, but it's the yoga and the farming where it's almost like, did, when this expedition and journey started in your life, was it were you were you noticing anything like, and again outsider looking in, people of color with yoga and people of color with farming you don't really hear a lot of it Mm-mm. and no, that's it's it's that's not to say that they're not out there so when when you have these experiences like you just said uh, what am i doing here how do you where where, where do you find that center where you're like i'm good i'm gonna make i'm gonna make this because that can turn people off where it's just like ah, mm-hmm. i can't do this right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. wow so that's a really great question are you asking me like what made me stay? What made me? I guess, stick yeah. With like, it? how did you? How did you Where find was my the, will? Yeah. Hmm. 
That's a good question. Well, I think I'm just a Capricorn and I am like, I can't quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like quitting is not an option. Um, I'm sure that was also based on how I was raised. You yeah. Know? But um, yeah, quitting's not really an option. So doing it and seeing it through and really, I, I, I think I'm already sort of imbued with a sense of patience. So yeah. I, sticking with it isn't a difficult thing for me okay but i can see how for a lot of people it's just like i feel uncomfortable i'm leaving and that's totally valid but um you know if you're able to stretch that boundary just a little bit and that's what i teach in yin yoga which is my sort of specialty or whatever um as opposed to yang which is a little more power big muscle what's yin what what? so yin is the sort of feminine archetype to yang right okay or yang and um and yeah so it's the reception um it's watery it's like all these sort of archetypal things not particularly like woman but archetypally feminine aspects of the body or movement um but you know in practice it is mostly longer held poses so you know when you're in a long pose your mind is going even if you're just sitting for a long time you're like oh my god why am i sitting like or oh my body's gonna break or right 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 does this does this teacher even know we're still here (laughs) like what is going on and so my goal as the as the guide of the class is to remind you to connect with your breath to sort of engage that thing that says i have a choice here and i'm making the choice to control my body, control my breath and control my mind so that I can do the things I want to do and not be um, sort of dissuaded by um, sensation. Okay. I appreciate that. I, I just I just noticed as you were talking the yin and the yang, um, then it made sense to me. I was like, ah, yeah. But, uh, you mentioned water a couple times. Um, is, is there, what's the significance and the, the importance of water with yoga, obviously with farming, oh, yeah. but there's a lot more to it, I'm sure, mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. So one thing about me, y'all, and I love stories. I love mythologies. I love cool. the idea of archetypes. I, I'm a big time nerd, so like, no, it's it, awesome. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm right I go there with you. This. So um, yeah, the archetype of water is. I love to say, you know, it's as soothing as like a spring shower, but also as powerful as the water that can carve the Grand Canyon. Yeah. You know, like water has it. It has so much. Uh, it's everything. You know, it's nourishment and it's power and its destruction and so you know in just in noticing all of these archetypes in all all of these qualities of the thing they're not all bad and they're not all good but you learn to work with them and so I think that's what's been fun about um, using the archetypes of water in my body and my mind and then also with my hands you know bringing water to crops using hydroponics using aquaponics 
What are the, what's the difference between the two there? And I just heard two different names. Mm-hmm. So hydropon, uh, both of those ponics are growing without soil. Okay. Hydroponics is um, basically a, a more general description of soilless media farming uh, without soil. Gotcha. And then um, aquaponics has the inclusion of fish or aquaculture ah. in order to grow some food. Gotcha. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Well, yeah, I would think. I mean, there's um, many different ways um, that one can farm, obviously. Like I said, I'm, there's so much that I'm learning. Scrolling through you know, social media and stuff, I tend to also come across these reels of the uh people doing unique things with farming and I'm always intrigued by it. And so uh, uh, one of the things when you said uh with fish, I remember seeing things like that but not understanding what I was seeing. But this is a common thing. I'm I'm assuming, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, again, like when you go down a, a sort of a YouTube hole, yeah. you know, yeah, right, right. it seems like everybody's about this and and that almost dissuaded me years ago from continuing to learn and and maybe even um you know, try and make a name for myself or try and like use, actually make these systems and use them. But really, uh, it's still quite new of an industry, at least aquaponics is, Um, although it's been around for 20 years. Uh, Just last month, I went to the National Aquaponics Conference in uh, New Mexico, and that was awesome. Um, And I learned so much from the way people were using aquaponics, whether it was, you know, large scale farming or um, a community um, geared farming, urban farming. Uh, yeah, there people were doing so many different things. Like microbiologists down in like Florida and Puerto Rico. It was really, really cool. But um, what I did notice was that it was still so new. Regulation is still so um, fluid that um, there's a lot of room for innovation. And that's where I sit. And that's where I love to sit in the place of innovation. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, when I'm looking things up and wondering how the heck to figure stuff out, you know, half the time, no one's ever done it before. So I just have to figure it out. Right. But, you know, it, more people are doing it these days. So there is quite a community of people sharing information, which is great. That's pretty cool. Um, I remember when I used to work at FedEx Freight and I would work on Saturdays and drive home on 283. I'd listen to NPR a lot and um, Radio Lab was, would always be on. And I would I was listening to a story about they were talking about water and how. There's the whole, and I don't know the name of it, but there's a whole system underneath the ground of how these plants and trees um, move water, share water, push water to one another. And it was, it blew my mind. And I remember coming home and like telling my wife, I was like, do you know what's going on out here? (laughs) Uh, And so I guess why I bring that up because when, when I'm listening to you talk about that, it's like, there's, there's a whole world um, of, of that that nobody really or a lot of people like myself don't know about Mm -hmm. so how and this ties into my next question really with with bringing uh um the inner city experience and farming 
and these two vast different worlds. How do we get people hip mm-hmm. to the benefits of what farming can do to you know for yeah, us? Absolutely. Well, first of all, that's a great question, um, and one that I think needs to be discussed like in every room, yeah. right? Particularly in schools and uh, communities altogether, really. Um, first of all, how do we get them connected? Well, there are examples that already exist. You know, community gardens are a really great way on the neighborhood scale to like get people at least seeing, you know, if there's space and if there's somebody to take care of it, you can see and witness what um, being able to grow food just around the corner looks like and um, what that can do to uh, benefit a community, particularly if uh, there is any kind of market involved. Um, now, also when I was at the Boys and Girls Club, we, uh, you know, were sort of backed up to Linear Park there. Um, there was a sunflower garden there, and I was like, that's pretty and all. Yeah. But let's try food, right? <laughs> let's try that. <laughs> so, you know, um, I ran it by a couple of people and no one really knew who or what. And so, you know, enough people said, yeah, just do it. So I just did it. And uh, it was great. You know, I remember digging in those initial stairs with my, like, just my shovel from my house. I lived across the street. Um, but one of the the craziest things was that, you know, some of the boys that were in the club were there in the park playing basketball. I said, guys, come up and help me dig this garden here. So we're digging, we're planting stuff, we're laying burlap bags and cardboard and mulching. And they're like, miss, look, there's a worm. And I said, pick it up. They said, they said, no, miss, I will not. And I said, boys, please. Well, I I didn't say it as nicely, (laughs) but I said, pick up that worm, you know, like get get your hands in the dirt, see what it feels like. Know that there's so much going on underneath there. Just like you said, when you found about water, you were just like, whoa, I got to tell somebody because this is wild. Yeah. You know, when you look underneath the surface, there's so much action there. And just to even begin to think about it can open up so many doors. So getting it and getting the kids doing it, getting the kids learning about it and then getting the kids to eat it. Um, they, <laughs> you know, once the summer was in full effect and we had a harvest We had tomatoes, we had basil, we had some berries, and we had pizza days on Fridays. We ordered Uh. um, a particular local brand of pretty bad pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That shall not go. That shall not go. We're not (laughs) going (laughs) to. So, um, yeah, I said, all right, what are we going to do here? Because I'm not just going to make salads and they're not just going to eat salads, right? right? This was a little while ago before kids were down with salad. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, so I said, let's put that tomato on the pizza. And, you know, the first the first boy was brave. And then they started to dare each other. You won't do it. You won't do it. Finally, somebody did it. And they were like, wow, that's not how I thought a tomato tasted. Because when they get their McDonald's burger, it just tastes like a smushy sort of gross mess. Yeah. But when you eat a tomato that you literally put the seed in the ground and watched grow and like, you know, from from seedling to fruit. And then you slice it and eat it like there's literally no better flavor, none. Mm. And so I think that's what the boys experienced then. 
And like I said, at that point, they were daring each other just so they could eat it. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and then I said, hey, try this basil on there. And I said, hey, these berries are sweet. Let's eat them for dessert, you know? And it started to uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, snowball. It was the snowball effect where more and more kids then wanted to help in the garden. But we really just didn't have the time or staff. So... <laughs> That's the other part is support. Yes. Support for these types of programs, resources for these types of programs. They do exist. And now that I'm on this side of, you know, administering and being an administrator, administratrix yes. of um, the farming, you know, sort of urban farming um, industry here, um, or at least as a nonprofit, uh, trying to get these grants is difficult. So I can see why and how it is very, um, why it's not the first priority for maybe some schools and some other youth organizations. But I really think in order to create the future that we want to create, that we see for our kids, where they're healthy, where their stomachs are working great, so their minds are working great, right. where there's not so much ADHD, which is, you know, a lot of uh, medical uh, associates say that starts in the in the gut, you know, in the gut health. Right. Um, when we have entire communities that can pay attention, that aren't stressed because they're hurting or stressed and it comes out of their skin as psoriasis, mm. when we have entire communities that are well, based on uh, the National Wellness Institute's six pillars of wellness, which are like pretty broad, but they include, you know, spiritual, physical, social, intellectual, like all these things, yeah. you know, that makes a well community. And all of those things can be sort of greeted or initiated through working in a garden. Yeah. And that's what I think is like so mind-blowingly awesome <laughs> about yeah. having gotten to this work is because we can create or we can help to create. We can engender, you know, movement towards holistic wellness just through these simple activities, getting your hands in the dirt getting other people to put their hands in the dirt and you put your hands in the dirt together, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The things that you talk about when your hands are in the dirt together and you say, man, I had a really stressful week and this is just so calming and the birds and the water sounds. And, yeah. You know, it creates so much more than just the food that you put on your plate. Sure, it's a whole experience. Absolutely. Uh, uh, all the way around. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think back here because I don't, I don't, I do a little bit of research with my interviews. I try to keep things organic, but I, I'm trying to think back to, there was a post a while a while back, a pretty lengthy post for, of yours. Mm -hmm. You had an experience. It was pretty disheartening. Mm -hmm. um, can you can you share with me? Because I'm, I'm tying this into when, when you just mentioned, it, we were just kind of talking about the, the politics of this whole thing when it comes to support. Absolutely. Yeah, can you share that? Yeah, so... See what happened was <laughs> So I knew that we were able to grow a lot of food and that's the whole point of DECA is to be of DECA is to be able to demonstrate that we can grow a lot of food in a small space. Yeah. And if we can do that 
in each quadrant in the city and then work with the city to distribute the food, um, we could effectively eliminate food insecurity in the city or at least nutrient deficiency. Sure. And so I was, I was, had started on that plan. You know, I'd talked to a few folks. I'd talked to the mayor. Um, I talked to um, some LGH folks uh, identifying locations in the city where this could occur. And they said, how, huh? <laughs> like, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, you have big ideas, but let's actually just start with a building. And so we had been talking about the, um, the old concession stand down at the bottom of Culleton Park, the old Water Street Park. Okay. And so, yeah, we were working together to uh, create that as a sort of food access point where we could do our pay-what-you-can market model right. and also um, create some programming for uh, younger or youth or any sort of burgeoning entrepreneur um, to create an incubator kitchen as well. And so about... <laughs> About a, so, you know, I don't want to get too much into the politics, but you are asking me that. So I'm just going to be frank about it. Yeah, please. Um, you know, working with a bureaucracy, the city is difficult. Yeah. Um, everybody has got a job. I understand. Sure. <clears throat> I'm not very good with returning emails and messages either. <laughs> you know, everybody's got their thing. But um, yeah, so persistence was key to making it happen and getting cheerleaders behind me to who were also involved in the city to help my messages get through to help spur action in the direction that we needed to go um, which included uh, emails to public works to department of neighborhood engagement um, and more um, let's see. I'd also taken the Neighborhood Leadership Academy program. <laughs> and so I was learning how the city worked, learning how these departments worked, um, learning the ins and outs of the bureaucracy, um, while also trying to grow the business. Wow. <laughs> and about a week before we... Uh, about a week before we were supposed to hand over the keys, the city decided that they couldn't actually go through with the agreement, which was a huge bummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge bummer. You know, I had bought equipment at auction, so there wasn't really the opportunity to return it. Right. And um, yeah, I had been making promises to community members saying, yeah, I'm about to get the space. Like, this is what we're doing. Um, and also just, you know, the um, personal pressure that I felt to continue the thing that we're doing and actually show up for people because that's what I say I'm right. going to do. Right. You know, I, I, integrity is huge for me. So the fact that we really hadn't been doing anything was really, or that at least that's what it looked like from the outside. Um was was so hard for me to swallow. So um, I really had to work hard to try and get that deal to happen. And then when it didn't happen, I knew it was necessary to, to tell the public about it. 
I'm not one to whine on the internet, but like well, no, I, I really like had were, to though. share that yeah. because there's so much work that had gone eight months of working with different um, uh, departments in the city structure. Um, but the key, and I think this is again what the leadership in yoga training has taught me, was to really not take that as hard as I might have maybe without that. Okay. And so what it did teach me to do was pivot. And that pivot actually has been so um, meaningful and so much actually more in the direction that I intend for DECA in the first place. So it actually worked out beautifully. Um, And that pivot was to really just recognize truly, truly, truly that I can't do it on my own. And so um, it became time to find board members, to find department heads, to really connect with the community in a a, a more uh, meaningful way. Um, So finding people who are doing similar things, finding people whose missions align, finding smaller organizations who, um, yeah, are really dedicated to serving their community, which is just like, you know, people going out of their way to do something that they think might help, you know, really when you break it down, it's like, it's not crazy. It's just people who want to do some stuff. And so giving them the support of what I've been through, what I've learned since I'm a nerd, like it's a lot. So now that I'm learning how to like run a nonprofit, come on in, let's, let's learn together, you know? Yeah. Um, there are so many resources out there now that I'm taking advantage of that I get to share with them now. And so they're learning. Uh, we just got accepted to the Parish Resource Center's grant writing cohort. And that was an application-based process. So I'm excited about that. Okay. And uh, yeah, so congratulations. like three of my team now will be able to take this course and, and yeah. learn grant writing too. So that's just so exciting for me. And well, really. Awesome. The other part of DECA is creating leadership. You know, yeah. what I've learned, I can pass, pass down and and we can be a self-replicating machine. A lot of the a lot of the uh, stories that I've heard, including my own, is when you said pivot. It, it always seems to be the pivot comes when you don't want it to come. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it'd just be walking. Right. But, <laughs> right. but it's almost like, no, I don't want to pivot. I'm, <laughs> and especially in your case, you were right there. So um, pivoting uh, kind of brought you into a place where you realize, oh, oh, wait a minute. I can make this happen. You're leveling up. Um, you mentioned that the leadership program, while you were in the leadership program, you were getting hip to how things run. How was there? Well, how was that dynamic? Were you starting to realize some things at that time? Like, oh, I see how things are working, and I'm actively doing this. Also, something ain't right. The math ain't mathing, or or did it blind blindside you later on? Well, I think we all have um, just sort of this general assumption that bureaucracy takes a long time. You know, red tape, everything. It's like time, time, time. And I definitely saw that to be true. But I also saw the people. I saw the real faces there doing the work. 
um, you know, going into the offices and actually seeing people, you know, filling out forms or doing whatever they have to be doing to make the city run. So, you know, I was hesitant in telling that story because I realize it is just people yes. doing their job. But they have to deal sometimes with just antiquated structures and rules. You know, if you want to change one thing, you have to pass the buck to 14 people before that can change. You know, um, that's the inefficiency of a city as a business, but not the inefficiency of the city. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I can appreciate that, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, And that goes back to like, I kind of equate that with when you look at your parents and you say you you're just people. People are doing their jobs and 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 it sucks that things got to go the way that they got to go, but you were able to pivot. So um how like how, if if somebody were to come up to you and um they're entering this world that you're in, right? For example, um and they say how uh, I see you pivoting and I see how 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 do you maintain that goes back at to my earlier question like the mm-hmm. will like how mm-hmm. do you are are you you said you're a Capricorn so you're going to get it done you're not you're not you're not giving up are, are you able to maintain a steadfast approach to things that you do in your everyday life um, I think that's something I've been able to cultivate. That's okay. not something that I was born with, although I think I have a tendency towards that anyway because of the way I was raised, my family structure. Um, you know, tr- traditional Africans tend to be a little like my my father's family is all in the military. Okay. My mother's family is all in the government. Like it's like <laughs> okay. it's like this is how we are. <laughs> like a little bit like robots. But it's okay. So, so though, um, I think the one thing I'd say is that when I see a barrier, and of course, this isn't all the time, but for the most part, when I see a barrier, um, it's not the thing in my way. Let me back that up a little bit. Um, <laughs> there was a documentary about an artist who does graphic graphic novels and um, forgive me, I don't remember his name right now, but um, his drawings are so like um, detailed, you know, the underside and the smokes or, you know, the exhaust of a, of a spaceship, you know, like how the heck do you even know how to draw that? And he would say, you know, in my mind, I hold it in in the space of my mind, and I'm able to see it in three dimensions or all dimensions, right? So I was that 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 idea and the way they illustrated it really blew my mind. To be able to hold something in your mind and and see from see it from every aspect, and so when you do that, not only are you seeing the thing for what it is, but you're also able to see every way to it right so you know imagine like a potato filled with toothpicks or something like that right right that's a pretty good visual so when like one toothpick comes out or one toothpick breaks or there's a barrier somehow like 
I've, I've got a thousand other toothpicks to choose from to get to my goal. And um, that is a practice, I think, not something I was born with, something I learned to do so that, yeah, there's always another way. I can figure it out. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Literally, right before you showed up, um, I experienced that here while setting up. Um, I typically have my lights colored up top mm-hmm. and smart guy me got a router a new router yesterday and didn't think that my smart lights would have to connect with oh. that so here i am an hour <laughs> before he showed up uh but i had to pivot and i and i was just like i can make it work i can i i have a ba- i had a backup and i knew it would work um and i've been trying to get myself to that also like you said i wasn't always i've been it's actually very difficult for me to not panic because i am um my ocd is like i like things predictable i know i like a routine Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and when things pop off which life that happens Mm -hmm. it's kind of like no that's not part of the script Mm -hmm. and and so you have to learn that that, can feel like chaos one thousand percent right yeah but but. (laughs) (laughs) uh you mentioned uh documentaries do you do you like watching documentaries um I do, but I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) I used to really like documentaries. I learned a lot from documentaries. I think the era for documentaries was like, you know, 90s to like mid 2000s, right? But then after that, when I realized that documentary is just a style of filming, right? Yeah, sure. It's really just a style of filming. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is true Ah. or unscripted you know and so when i was like oh it's just another way another way to tell a story um i sort of stopped watching documentaries a little bit i i watched with a little bit more trepidation okay okay so you're uh you felt deceived by the uh documentary world yup (laughs) (laughs) the more you know boo (laughs) yeah i feel like i guess yeah it makes sense if you're really if you're invested in something um, for educational purposes, and uh, like I like watching them for that fact. But there are you, you're right. The, now that you say that, I never really thought about that. And it's like the whole like Netflix really just has a crap ton of these docu series where it's just like it's addictive. But it's just like by this point, are we really watching something that's mm-hmm. documented, or are we watching a story being told in a different way? So I, I can. I, I could appreciate that. Um, I just, I, I was, I was wondering because um, the nerd in me, <laughs> like I love watching documentaries. I love uh, education in different ways. Um, like I mentioned, a uh, radio lab. I like yeah. listening to these different types of things just to pique my interest of things that I never knew because I'm always looking to like, I don't know, like fill this endless void yeah, of, of knowledge space. yeah but also i said at this moment you hear bathwater running upstairs completely unexpected but i do record my podcast in my house it is what it is my apologies i feel the space but also see how it connects see how it connects to what you already know and maybe it's it's like um it's not as long of a bread trail when you can connect it to something you know and I think what's great for that is YouTube, actually. Yes. So I've moved from watching documentaries to to University of YouTube. Okay. And so, like, I don't know what other people look at on YouTube, but all mine is, like, farmers 
aquaponic people, um, people doing like, um, I just, because of the algorithm, thank you, YouTube or Meta or whoever, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> Whoever's watching and listening. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. Um, the, the, the suggestions now are including uh, Korean farming method. Korean, sorry, it's called Korean natural farming, which now I'm learning how to make fertilizer for literally free using weeds. And it's like the most powerful and um, effective pesticides and all this stuff. And I'm like, thank you, YouTube, because now not only have you empowered me to be a better farmer, you've also empowered my um, ingenuity to maybe even make a new product to sell, you know, to raise money for the nonprofit it um so yeah youtube university is where it's at also astrologers I oh astrologers yeah, yeah so you're into astrology so much get out no <laughs> <laughs> well talk to me about this then yeah. i like i i uh i i, I, I don't get in not i shouldn't say i don't get into it i enjoy it i just don't know i don't follow it enough to so what is it about astrology that that piques your interest well, I'll say, okay, I'll say this, you know, for anybody, <laughs> there's a lot of naysayers out there. And so I'm not really talking to you, but I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You can yeah, hear yeah. this too if you want. Um, <laughs> astrology m doesn't mean the stars are doing things to us. Because Mercury is retrograde, you are being affected somehow. It's not how it works. Gotcha. Right. So the idea, um, or at least what I get out of it, a little bit of both. The idea is a framework through which to see the world. Um, some of the more ancient philosophy of as above, so below. So, you know, the ancient peoples, ancient Greeks and who whatnot, assigned values to these stars. Like the red one is called Mars and it's represents, you know, aggression or slicing or movement. And, you know, we assigned all these other values to the stars in the sky. And so when they do their dance um, and Venus and Mars meet, you know, Venus planet of love, it's like, well, those planets are meeting in a particular way, maybe it's a way that is like, you know, has some dissonance, or maybe it's a way that's like a trine that's really nice. And so how those things are doing their thing maybe can inform how we do our thing, ah. right? And so, yeah, when the stars are doing their dance, we can do our dance as well, and it is, a way to inform your movement through this life as opposed to telling you what's going to happen or telling, yeah, telling you what's happening to you. Sure. Fair enough. I can appreciate that. It, it kind of, I was, while you were speaking, I was thinking about how like the, what's made, what the galaxy is made up of is what we are made up of as far as the atoms and the protons and all you know, neutrons and for all that. Sure, and, for sure. and I don't, I'm not too savvy with it, but I know a, a little bit about that. So I kind of tie that into like what you were saying is the, is the, when it comes to farming and it comes to like getting your hands into the ground and the dirt and everything is connected mm -hmm. one way or, or, or another. 
are you hip to, or not that are you hip forgive me but are you are you keeping all of that in mind as well while you are actively farming is there more to that than just the physical aspect of i'm farming and i'm planting and digging and you know is there is there a lot more for you going mm-hmm. on look so like <laughs> literally everything's connected right yes and but i'll say it this way this is what i mean for me in my life i've been able to connect through deca my love of yoga my love of nature and my sort of un uh, unhidden or revealed love to share my knowledge right um and so when i'm doing anything in any of those realms like it's it's affecting everything else right and in in the most positive way or or at least furthering the whole idea of how i want to be in this world and what i want to do and so um when i'm farming like is astrology connected you know there are some people who actually farm by astrology that's not my bag per se okay but what i will how one way that they uh intersect often is so this is one way how i knew i was doing good like i was on the right track i think that's another thing astrology does for me too is if uh, sort of a check-in if i'm on the right track right so i won't get too specific but a lot of my astrology my transit astrology right now says the focus is community network these are all 11th house 10th house and 10th and 11th house things um community network business sharing um service a lot of virgo stuff i have i have a stellium in virgo for anybody who knows about that okay (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah and so like when i'm hearing the astrologers say these key words about what is happening um in the sky and the the words attached to the planets and how they might affect me they are in fact showing up as that like so much like i said this recent pivot has been to refocus onto community Mm. and refocus into how my business shows up for community. And um, that is 100% where my life is going right now, whether it was because I heard it or whether it was because I'm doing it, it doesn't really matter. It's just what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like uh, um, I kind of, I think a lot about frequency and the energy that we resonate on mm-hmm. and it's almost like when you when you're saying things and you're putting things into existence um if you're feeling a certain way and you're actively trying to do something but you're what you're feeling ain't vibing with it i feel like that could that could do more harm than good absolutely with, with, you know, I, w- I would i would think anyway mm-hmm. um and so i i try to I try to have like or try to do little like uh, routines to kind of keep me from um, from falling out of pocket in that regard. Like, for example, um, I actually did it today. I was having a I was having a really bad day um, at work and I'm trying to keep my mind clear of, you know, negative thinking and distorted thought. And so 
a buddy of mine told me, he goes, you know, every time I, I feel like I got something bad inside of me, I just actively grab it and throw it. And you just got to grab it and throw it away. And I, I never did it. I remember hearing him and be like, that's actually pretty interesting. It makes sense. I never did it until today. Yeah. I was about to walk back in. I, I actually went outside, took a breather. I was watching the trees kind of, you know, changing color. And then when it was quiet, let it just kind of quiet. And I'm like, let me go back inside. And before I walk back inside, I, I actively, I did that. And I, and I bring that up because I really do believe like thoughts and words have power. Mm-hmm. And, and ritual has yeah, power. Yeah. And it's almost like, because if, it, if I actively do it, I'm putting my thoughts into, into a motion of, positivity this this then will lead into something that will benefit me and others um and so yeah i just for whatever reason i just that popped into my mind as you were talking that's so good though that's so much of it that's everything really it's that aspect of mindfulness to be able to identify that something is going on inside that i don't like and and to be able to almost name it or at least place it yeah. You know, and whether in your mind, in your mind's eye, wherever it started, maybe you even felt it come up and out. And when you grabbed it, you knew mm. how much of it was in your hand, yeah. you know, and you knew almost where you where it fell or yeah. where it flew away in your own mind's eye. Yep. And just that action, just that play, that ritual, that experience um can do wonders it is as if you literally took it out and now it's gone and the brain wants to be right so you make it right by doing the thing and now it's gone yeah that's a beautiful Um, thing i studied psychology too in college and that is really the backbone to all of this too is i was a um a peer counselor for a long time in college before college and then, um, and it's also in my bloodline too, which is wild. We can talk about that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> when you say it's in your bloodline, you mean your your ancestry? Your, yeah. You look, you've got that information? Somehow? Yep. Um, my paternal grandfather was an imam, uh, which is a Muslim like pastor. Okay. And was like the the town sort of secret keeper, arbitrator, um, problem solver, everything, you know, he, he was that for the village, a really real like community gotcha. uh, pillar. And I also found out that um, on my maternal side, my grandfather was a pastor as well in oh. Ghana. So my father's side is from Liberia, my mother's side from Ghana. So uh, my two grandfathers were these sort of service to community connected to the divine like individuals you know the divine and um and so yeah that 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 sensibility definitely is something that i feel and can relate to after having learned about who they were yeah i'm i'm assuming that you learned about your your paternal grandfather later on as you were rekindling your relationship with your father absolutely on your Mm -hmm. mother's side you knew of him at an early age yes no no no. um 
he had all of my grandparents had passed before I was born. Okay. And then uh, my mother passed when I was nineteen. So um, sorry. Thank 19. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was t- that was a tough one yeah. there. <laughs> but um, yeah, we can go into that. Too. <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> you got all the time <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. I've had to learn about these positions, uh, you know, who my family was in my adulthood. But I really love that because I'm able to, like it sinks in as an adult would process the information. And so I see who my family was in, in a much in a much different light, a, a really an informed light because I didn't know anything before. Right, right. Um, I, I, I did, uh, I guess there were a couple of videos I watched with you. I was trying to get... Um, uh, some information on you. And I remember you did mention your mom. You mentioned you grew up in a single parent household. You mentioned something along the lines of that getting food or what it came difficult for your mom. Your mom worked multiple jobs. Is that yeah. Okay. Yep. But you were unaware at that time. You, you said it felt like you had what you needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. My mom. Yeah. She definitely provided um, but, you know, there was an awareness that there wasn't a whole lot. Um, and, you know, if I had to, you know, if I had a craving for something and as a typical kid, da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. you know, it wasn't just like a no, it was like, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. we, you know, some of us had those types of parents. So, um, but yeah, she always provided and she sent me to great schools. And so as an adult, you know, I understand what that actually took to accomplish. So, um, yeah, I definitely appreciate her so much for that. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think she's, has she, what, what part of, what kind of influence has she had in what you're doing now? Um, everything. I mean, the resilience, 100%. Yeah. Um, the poise and grace, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. The, and also, like I said, if we didn't have a hammer, we used a heel. Like, yeah. that sort of re- that sort of resilience. The, the MacGyver, the, like, we're going to figure it out no matter what. It's going to get done no matter what. That, that mentality was 100% from my mom. She was passed. She passed when you were 19 years old. Mm-hmm, Can you share? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with sharing? Oh yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I was actually away at college then, and um, she had suffered a stroke back in Massachusetts, um, and didn't she? Uh, th- um, the hospital induced a coma to stabilize her, um, but she wasn't able to come out of the coma. So. Uh, yeah, that was really sad, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> but um, that was probably really the beginning of it, because at that point I had to question literally everything, you yeah. know, um, I had to question everything and I had to make sense of it and continue. So how I created my world was one where I had you know, I was seeking connection, but also I had connection. So my mom, I knew would always be connected to me, but also I felt extremely alone, you know, not having my father there as well. So I was really alone in the world. Uh, 
off in college in Lancaster, PA, trying to trying to do the thing. Um, and, you know, from um, a low class, like low financial class family. So, um, yeah, it was a tough one. Well, that's a lot for, for, for anybody. But at 19 years old, you're still learning who you are. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I had to rent a U-Haul and go down to Massachusetts and empty and sell our house. Like, I grew up pretty quick right So you then, did that on you know? your own? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did have, you know, I call him my pseudo stepdad, but my mom's a partner, longtime partner, uh, came back to, to help a little bit. But he had already, you know, he's got another family and everything. Yeah. But he helped raise me. So um, uh, very integral in my life. And I was so happy he was able to take time for me at that time. Um, and actually through his recovery, um, he, uh, I guess, you know, for a lack of better word, paid reparations to me. And that was the beginning of DECA. Like really so many of these things are connected. Yeah. In 2020, he found me and said, Hawa, I love you. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. Here is some seed money. Thank you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I really feel blessed because the timing was couldn't have been any better. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I I can appreciate that. And and like I said, um, dealing with the loss of a parent. My dad died unexpectedly. He had a stroke as well. He had a hemorrhagic stroke two days after Christmas. Mm. And and it was almost like, you know. I, I can only imagine as night as a 19 year old you don't you're still trying to figure yourself out you're in college um how was that going back i mean i mean like i said you have this steadfast mentality we mm-hmm. talked about being a capricorn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that came with time was this experience like the 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 birth of being able to really keep keep your head on a swivel but also stay focused absolutely absolutely it was really um i think maybe the word the word that came to mind was compartmentalized okay i really had to separate things and see them for what they were um instead of sort of experiencing life as this big just like wash of stuff happening to me i had to then like think about bills i had to think about you know, my car insurance, you know, I had to think about all these things that I really had never thought about before. And, and it was overwhelming, really. Um, Not having that, you know, figure to take care of me and to take care of those things. Um, I knew I would be fine. She made me that way. Sure. But, um, and I think really, my mom, not that she prepared me for her death, but she prepared me for her death. Sure. Because I was as ready, I think, as any human could be. Of course, there was sadness and tears and sure. and, and deep depression, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I felt alone, but I never felt unable to handle it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You're able to, uh, considering where you are now... Um, when you deal with life's funks and, 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 um, I say daily depression. And what I mean by that, 
It's nothing long standing. It oh, comes yeah. and goes. Mm-hmm, you get you sure. get it. You know, the, the, the clouds will come. Intimately knowledgeable. Sure. Of sure. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I, I, I definitely I suffer. I suffer from depression too. Like I'm yeah. not even gonna sit up here and be like, Oh, I got it, you know. I definitely don't got it. No, yeah. But after all this trying and working and refining and then trying to understand myself and the way my mind works now I'm able to sort of witness it before it becomes chaotic. Right. right? But it's still there. But I, but that's a perfect way to say it is witnessing it is kind of like, um, instead of trying to be like, let me get rid of it. I need to get help. It's like, it's going to happen. I've, I've accepted it. And I'm grateful that my wife, she, she knows when I'm in those moods, but it's almost like, well, how can I be progressive about this? And how can I, snap myself out of it i gotta go through it but i i don't want to stay in it where i feel like a long time ago once upon a time in my life i would stay in it because mm-hmm. uh, it felt good there yeah mm-hmm. well it felt I mean, good it was it, bad, comfortable it felt good. right it was predictable mm-hmm. i knew I, I i i oh man it was bad yeah, yeah I, it feels I, good to just lay in bed all day and not want to get cover up the or, windows so nobody totally. would see inside you know mm-hmm. <laughs> just eat your feelings like totally that is all good yeah but also not really conducive not. to a long or healthy life or even the life that i want to live oh, yeah this is a very very awesome conversation <laughs> i'm very very grateful mm-hmm. um to wrap this up um I don't, I typically would be like, well, let's talk about what your goal is for the next five to 10 years. But really what I'm trying to do now is, is, is pick your brain here. So, um, we kind of already alluded to this already. The, what can we do to get our arms around the idea of, um, inner city youth getting hip to farming? Because the reason why I bring up the inner city youth and I'm guilty of this, is fast food, vending machines, everything's easy on the fly, but it's not good. And so when you when you hear um, making something like this accessible, it the red tape and the politics that come with it push people away on both ends. It pushes pe- people away from trying to make it happen. It pushes people away from who like, okay, well, I mean, if it's this difficult, I will just go over here and mm-hmm. get this, that, mm-hmm. and the third. So like, I know you've already alluded to it, but like what, I guess on a deeper level, mm-hmm. like how can we really, how can I switch my thinking? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because sure. I know it. That's another <laughs> right. thing too is like, oh. it makes sense. I know it, mm-hmm. and I'm still going to make bonehead decisions. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess really it's disappointing. It here, yeah, yeah. But not in the heart, right? Right. <clears throat> so I'll say this. That I'm going to bring it full circle, right? So, yeah, being depressed feels good. Sitting in a dark room, not doing anything feels good. Eating McDonald's also feels good. And then, for me, the next day, I'm, like, instantly sad, Right. I am sad for literally no reason. This is something I've learned to witness. I notice now that when I eat fast food, the next day I'm ornery, I'm like paranoid, Mm. I'm like all these things. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And, you know, over maybe even years of going through this and knowing uh, it took me to 
sort of do the Google research and figure out, you know, my belly doesn't work very good. My liver works in all these ways. So these are the things you need to eat so that your brain isn't doing crazy things. And that was like step one, right? Step one was get my thinking right by getting my food right, right? And so um, that connection is so huge, I think. And I think a big part of what the conversation around farming needs to be, urban farming particularly, when we talk about inner city youth, but really um, youth that aren't, that are less likely to get a meal cooked with fresh ingredients that are nutrient dense, Mm. right? That's the difference. When you're in a rural situation, most likely you're having a home cooked meal, likely with fresh ingredients or that have been preserved in a way that is maybe more fresh than like a canned something or uh, a fast food something that's full of chemicals. Right. So once you start eating right, your mind works right. When your mind works right, you can focus on stuff. When you can focus on stuff, you can succeed in literally anything you want to do. Yeah. The end. Yeah, it makes uh, I'm I'm like I'm happy I put it that way because it's the most vulnerable, easiest or um, vulnerable, transparent way to say it. Where it's like it makes sense, and I and I'm and I'm actively doing it, and I'm like, man, it, why don't I just take the time to learn it, to embrace it? Um, because at the end of the day, when when you said the next day I feel like this, I never thought of it that way, and I never even really put two and two together. But I'm sure that the, I'm sure that does have a lot to play um, into it. When you say gut health, everybody's gut health is different, yes or mm-hmm. no? So yep. what what I could eat wouldn't affect me the next day that it may affect you. So how? How do we go about, is it really trial and error and trying new things? And, and It is. I mean, again, it sort of depends on the goals, right? Um, my first and foremost goal was to not be so depressed all the time. Because okay. when I'm depressed, I'm not doing the things I want to be doing. So doing the things I want to be doing is like ultimate goal, right? So how do I start doing the things that I'm doing? Well, I can't do them if I'm depressed. Well, if I'm... Uh, maybe I should eat a banana, <clears throat> right? And then I'll feel sort of energized in a way. And then maybe I'll do a thing that brings me closer to my goals. And uh, so for anybody, it's not about like your particular issue, right? It could be um, like I have like low acid, so yeah. you know, food doesn't do this or that. And then my hormones get weird because they're trying to deal with everything. So knowing what is happening to you, right, is first, and how that's different than what you want to be happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I understand that 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 takes a lot because yeah. you know you could go down a WebMD hole, you could do all this and that. That actually, that that takes some work um, to really understand in this day and age with the amount of money in your pocket, what is going on with your body. Fair enough. But if you can at least, you know, find some sort of description, however broad, and be able to name it and then look it up, somebody out there is dealing with something similar. 
there are so many schools of medicine that, um, you know, say traditional Chinese medicine will describe things as hot or cool. So if you're if you eat food that doesn't work well with your body and then you get angry because you have too much acid and it's firing you up inside, mm. you know, um, you might want to change your diet to like avocado or things that are cooler and and mushy huh. to soothe and then your attitude gets soothed right and then you can go about your day being the way you want to be i think it's fair to say that if you're going to make a, a lifestyle change like this you need to commit all around it isn't so much like what i'm eating but it's also like what i'm reading what i'm thinking what i'm what i'm eating what i'm drinking absolutely. the people i'm surrounding oh, myself absolutely. with yeah and again i'll add um you know i sort of gave a shout out to personal and career development classes but maybe more specifically is like find some people that know about the thing fair enough find a mentor like that sort of day and age is gone where interns and like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, like somebody who learns underneath somebody a else's protege? trade. No. Yeah, sure. sure that's, yeah. that's another way too. Mm -hmm. But that, that style of learning is lost. And I realized, you know, not being able to finish college because I didn't have enough money and noticing that like that, that style of learning didn't even really work for me. Mm. What did work for me was having one person to teach me everything, yeah. you know, and I can, I can absorb it like crazy. So I had a, a mentor for my art stuff. His name is Tim Rhoda, who really helped me through that and, and trying to understand the gallery world. I had a mentor for my philosophy stuff and they taught, um, he was a plumber. I was also a plumber okay. <laughs> and like he taught me so much, you know, there are these people in my life that have been so integral and, um, and who are open and willing to share the information that we have. And so again, you know, sort of going out into the community, making it known what it is that you need, reaching out, finding people who know, learning about what's going on either with you or with the particular subject that you're interested in and then making moves towards it. It's the action part in the end. Fair enough. You gotta, you gotta be willing to, to make the move and make that step, the initial step, uh, mentoring. I, I agree. And that's something that I'm in my mid forties. Now I'm really getting hip to like, Hey, I, if I don't know, let me, let me hit up and chop it up with such and such. Yeah, let me ask somebody. Right, because there are people that are willing to be like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let mm -hmm. me. Sh uh, uh, and and I, what I love about reflecting real quick before you wrap this up is even throughout my life, like people that I've worked with, when you said uh, that he was a plumber and I was a plumber, like I've worked with people and I was getting hip to things through them that I didn't know I was getting hip to until as I look back and I go, oh yeah, there's a lot of things I know now because of the conversations that I've had and I was actually paying attention and absorbing it. There are a lot of people out there that are willing to just share things. They won't gatekeep. Um, and it's like, let's just find those people and stick to them because you know the world is, is yours really mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah giving people the opportunity to share i know we i'm gonna like keep this going for a long time no it's, it's okay <laughs> oh i love it but um what i mean is um 
so uh, two years ago, we had a forum. DACA put on a forum, and all it was was just connecting with people who were involved in um, either the yoga world, environmental, uh, p- political world, wow. um, food world, and food justice. There are people in this city doing amazing things, right? And all they need is a platform to just talk about it. Or at least they need more than that. They need resources. They need a seat at the table. Sure. They need more than that. But at least what we can do, and I think, and I'm so happy that you are able to do through your passion, is to give people a platform to be able to share, to give listeners and watchers a a place and an opportunity to connect to something that may be uh, not that far from what they're interested, but something new. And, you know, a short breadcrumb trail makes a really sweet connection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great way to end this. I appreciate you, Hawa Lasana. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this. This is it. Was this uh, an easy breezy conversation for you? Heck yeah. This was yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was great.